It is good to be back with you this week. Thank you for your prayers uh, while I was sick last week. That was very unexpected, and I would have much rather been here. Uh, thank you uh, for uh, your concern, your prayers, those who checked up on me this week. Uh, I appreciate it greatly. Today we're going to finish our miracle series because uh, next week we start into Advent and Christmas. Uh, we are um, just over a month away from Christmas now. And then the end of the year and uh, all of the craziness and the joy that goes with that. Today we uh, complete our miracle series, one final miracle that we're going to look out, a second miracle that happens in a storm. The last time I preached, we looked at this miracle of Jesus walking on water. It takes place when the disciples find themselves in a storm. Today we're in Mark chapter 4, a second storm miracle. Mark chapter 4 begins with verse 35. It says, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, <laughs> just as he was. In the boat, there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. We said uh, in our last storm miracle, something that we can pause and say again here. The disciples were following what Jesus called them to do, and while they were doing that, they found themselves in the midst of a storm. Jesus told them, get in the boat, go to the other side. And while they were obeying Jesus, they found themselves in the midst of a storm so big that it almost swamped their boat. Following Jesus is no guarantee that you will not face storms in this life. And just because you were in the midst of a storm does not automatically mean that you were not right where God intended you to be in that moment. Now, there are storms that come up because we've done dumb stuff or because we've disobeyed God, but there are also storms that show up even when we're on the right path because that's just part of life. You'll hear me say over and over again that you are probably either in the midst of a storm in your life right now, you just got out of a storm, or you're heading into one. That's just the way that life works. And so here are the disciples following Jesus, obeying him, and they are in a storm so big that the, um, the boat is almost swamped by the waves coming over. Verse 38, where is Jesus? Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. This big storm comes up out of nowhere. It's so big that it feels like the boat's going to sink. The waves are coming up over the sides of the boat. And the disciples start looking around and wondering, where's Jesus? And there Jesus is. He's in the stern of the boat and he's asleep on a pillow. I love that little detail. Jesus has made himself cozy and comfortable. <laughs> sleeping soundly on his pillow while the disciples are freaking out because they're sure they're going to drown. In fact, 
We go on in verse 34. The disciples woke Jesus and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Disciples following what Jesus commanded them to do find themselves in the midst of a storm just like you're going to at some point in your life. And when this storm comes up, they begin looking for Jesus, and there's Jesus asleep on his pillow. And so the disciples go and wake Jesus up, and they say, Master, don't you even care that we're about to drown? How dare you sleep when we need you? And I wonder if the disciples' question is ever your question. That when the storms of life come up around you, when the winds start blowing in your soul, and it feels like the waves of pain and hurt and sickness and broken relationships and struggles and addictions and all of these waves are crashing in on you and you feel like you're about to go under, that you begin to look for Jesus and wonder why he is asleep in the midst of your storm. That's why we're looking at this, at this miracle at the end of our series. Because maybe as we've looked at these other miracles, at the way that Jesus fed the 5,000, and the, the way that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, and the way that Jesus came to the disciples walking on the waters, we've looked at each of these miracles. I wonder if any of us have thought, man, that's nice, but where's Jesus in the midst of my storm? I mean, I believe that Jesus showed up for them. How come he hasn't shown up for me? Why am I still struggling with this need? Preacher, if everything that you are telling us is true, then why am I still in the midst of this storm? And where's Jesus when I need him? Maybe you feel like these disciples that you've had a moment of struggle in your life where you were so overwhelmed by what was happening in your world that you couldn't spot Jesus and you began to look around and you just wondered if he even cared about you at all. Jesus, don't you care? That can be our question when we find ourselves in the midst of a storm. Because if we, we, we think that if Jesus cared, if Jesus really cared, we wouldn't find ourselves in a storm, in a struggle. We wouldn't find ourselves sick or hurting or in pain or in conflict or depressed or anxious. If Jesus cared, he'd protect us from all this stuff. And if Jesus cared, certainly if any of that happened, he would come rushing to us. We wouldn't find him asleep on a pillow when we needed him. Don't you care? Jesus got up. I'm going to get the picture here. Jesus is taking a good nap. A good nap. You, you know the one. <laughs> the one where, where, you, where you don't just doze off for a few seconds, but where you are out cold. <laughs> Uh, for me, that's a Sunday afternoon nap. We get done with church, I survive lunch, and then it's bed or the chair, and I'm out. <laughs> 
Now, in the midst of being out, I mean, Jesus has been exhausted. He's been teaching all day. He's dealing with the crowds. He's got to put up with the disciples. He needs some rest. And so when he finally, his head hits the pillow, the disciples come rushing in and they wake him up from sound asleep. Moms, you know this one. (laughs) You finally get a few moments for yourself. And your head hits the pillow. You just close your eyes. You finally fall asleep. And then you hear, Mommy! 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 No, it doesn't matter that Daddy's up in the next room, right? Mommy! 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 I need you! I don't need you. Mommy, where's the remote? Yeah. That's what happens here. The disciples rush in and they wake Jesus up out of his sound sleep. So Jesus gets up. I imagine that he's still got the sleep in his eyes and he's kind of half awake. And he says, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. I'm just trying to picture this story. And what I imagine is a half asleep Jesus waking up, hearing the need and just saying, Storm, be quiet. (laughs) Drop back on his pillow. Problem solved. See, the reason Jesus was asleep in the storm is not because he doesn't care. It's because he wasn't worried. (laughs) Quiet, be still, he says. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Ah, See, the disciples thought... Jesus was asleep in the storm because he didn't care about them. That wasn't the case at all. It's the, the reality is that Jesus wasn't afraid. He cared deeply about them, but he wasn't afraid of this storm. He says, do you still have no faith? Don't you yet believe in all that you've seen that I have the power to take care of you? Why are you so afraid? It says, then they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Once again, a storm reveals the power and the presence of God. And the storms that you go through. And you wonder if Jesus even cares and he wants to say, why are you so afraid? Where's your faith? Don't you know that I have the power to take care of you even in the midst of this? And the storms that you go through, if you will pay attention will reveal God's presence and his power in your life. And yet our question is the disciples' question, don't you care? I want to tell you this morning, God always answers prayer. God always answers your prayers. Now, he doesn't always answer them the way that you wanted him to. He doesn't always answer the way that you expected him to. But when you are in the midst of a struggle in a situation, and you, you call out in prayer, and you wonder why God hasn't acted yet, I want you to know that Jesus always cares, and God always answers your prayer. Five ways I want to tell you this morning that God answers prayer. See, when you are in the midst of your storm and you're wondering if Jesus cares and you call out for him to help, for him to show up and reveal his presence and his power to do in your life what only he can do that you can't do for yourself and you pray, God's going to answer and he's going to answer in one of five ways. 
the first way God answers prayer is he says yes. You ask God to do something for you or for a loved one to step in in the midst of a storm, a need, a struggle, and God says, that's a great idea. I'll do that. Yes. That's my favorite. Think of Matthew chapter 7. It says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? See, it says, if your child comes to you and says, Mommy, Daddy, I'm hungry, are you going to say, well, here, eat this rock? No, you're not going to do that. And if you come to God, it says, if, you, if you're good to your kids, even though you have sin in your life, even though you struggle with goodness, even though you are not perfectly holy like God, if you give good things to your children when they ask you for them, Mommy, I'm hungry. You say, well, here's some bread, not here's a rock. How much more? How much more is God going to give good gifts to those who ask him? God delights in giving you good gifts. God delights in taking care of your needs. And when you pray, God wants to say yes. And I love it when he does. Psalm 37, 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord, and what your heart longs for, God will say yes. Now, the take delight in the Lord part is important. Because we can do a lot of damage if we forget that part and only say God will give you the desires of your heart. See, when you take delight in the Lord, then what he most wants for you becomes what you most want. The desires of your heart can become aligned with God's desires for you when you take delight in him. And if the things that you are asking God to do in your life are the things that God already wants you to do, of course he's going to say yes. Of course he's going to say yes. Because God wants to fulfill the desires of your heart. He wants to give good gifts to his children. How does God answer prayer? First, God says yes. Second way God answers prayer is God says no. Sometimes when we pray, God's answer is no. And it's not because he's mean, it's not because he's vindictive, it's not because you don't have enough faith or because you haven't earned it, it's not because you've lived the wrong kind of life, it's because God is a good God. And sometimes out of goodness, the answer to what we ask for is no. Now, it, say, how could God say no to me? Well, if you're a parent, you know how this works. Has your kid ever asked for something? And because you're a good parent, your answer was no. 
I mean, have you ever had to tell your kid no? When, when our kids were little, we had to tell them no a lot. Now they're teenagers. We still have to tell them no a lot. We just have to be more uh, democratic in how we get it across. <laughs> but one of our favorite sayings when we think about the kids as little is we remember Ashlyn who had learned a no. And we remember never play in the street. She had learned that, and she, she would like to, to say that. She would never play in the street. <laughs> she had to learn that, that there are boundaries for her to be healthy and whole and to survive childhood. And one of those boundaries was you don't play in the street. When do you play in the street? Never. Sometimes we have to tell our kids no, because what they want to do will destroy them. Sounds fun in the moment, but it's not what they need. Even if your child says, I'm hungry, can I eat this? There are times you might have to say no, right? Maybe they just ate a whole pizza, and now they want the macaroni and cheese, and you might have to say, no, you've had enough. <laughs> Maybe they tell you they're hungry, but they didn't eat their dinner and they want to eat all the Reese's peanut butter cups. I understand that. Like Reese's peanut butter cups are awesome. But you might have to tell them no. And it's not because you're mean and vindictive, even though they might fall on the ground and throw a fit. <laughs> they might look up at you and say, don't you even care that I'm about to starve? That because you're a good parent, you might have to say no. And sometimes when we pray, as much as God wants to say yes, sometimes he has to say no. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us to trust in the Lord with all our heart. To lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways to submit to God, and he will make our path straight. He will clear the way in front of us. So that reminds us that God's understanding of life in the world and whatever I'm going through is bigger and better than my situation. Sometimes you tell your kid no, and they say, well, why not, mommy? It's always mommy, I don't know. And your answer is, well, because I'm the parent. <laughs> that doesn't satisfy your kid, but sometimes you just can't explain the, like, 30 years, kid, you'll understand why I said no here. <laughs> you just don't have the perspective, and I can't explain to you the reality of this situation and why I can't say yes to what you want in this moment. Later, you will understand, and God... God sees a situation in a way that you can never understand. And sometimes he has to say no. I'm reminded of the great theologian, Garth Brooks. <laughs> in his song, I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. It's a song about desperately wanting something. Praying that God would give it to you. And then 20 years later... <laughs> realizing what a mistake it would have been if God had said yes. Any of you who's ever gone through a middle school breakup know all about this. 
And sometimes God says yes, but sometimes God says no. And those both come out of the same place of God giving you what is best for your life. God says yes, God says no. Third way God answers prayer is he says yes, but in a different way than you expected. God can say yes, but in a way that uh, is different from the way you thought it would be. When I was a youth pastor, yeah, that's crazy. Um, I was a youth pastor, and we lived about 45 minutes away from the church where I was uh, working with the youth. And there was a big sale going on at uh, the sporting goods store. They had ping pong table that was on sale. And I just thought, man, our youth room could really use a ping pong table. Like, our youth group will explode. Like, every kid in the county will get saved if I just get this ping pong table. And so I went to the sporting goods store and I bought the ping pong table and it wouldn't really fit in my car. So I I stuck it in the trunk, but I had to leave the trunk partially opened and it was hanging out the back. And then I had to drive 45 minutes from where I live to the sporting goods store next to the church. Or I mean, not to the sporting goods store, to the church. (laughs) I live by the sporting goods store. The church is 45 minutes away. I had to make the drive. And so I start making the drive to take this highly spiritual object, ping pong table, to the church. And along the way, I noticed the skies started getting darker and darker and darker. And I'm thinking, oh my word, it's going to storm. And it's hanging out the back of my trunk. And we're going to ruin this ping pong table before I even get it there. If it rains and I start praying, oh God, don't let it rain. Like, I thought I got a good deal. But if it rains, God, it's going to ruin this. And it's going to, instead of a good deal, it's going to turn out to be a waste of money. And instead of kids getting saved, they're going to just, like, they're never going to hear about Jesus. And, Lord, you want kids to get saved. I know you do. Like, this is the desire of your heart. And, Lord, I want to see kids get saved, too. And so you got to stop it from raining so this ping pong table doesn't get ruined. And it'll get to the church and kids will get saved. Lord, don't let it rain. Oh, Lord, don't let it rain. Oh, Lord, don't let it rain. And I'm praying and I'm praying. And then I see the sprinkles hitting the windshield and like, oh, God, you're not hearing me. (laughs) Like, and it starts to rain. And then it starts to really rain. (laughs) And then it just, it lets loose and it's dumping rain. And there's my ping pong table hanging out the back. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, hear my prayer. Stop the rain. He didn't. It rained the whole way. And I got to the church, and it is like, this is a disaster. So I get the ping pong table out, and you know what? It was fine. And I realized that day (laughs) that God sometimes hears our prayers, and he knows what we're really asking. See, I didn't actually care if it rained or not. What I really wanted was for the ping pong table to get to the church unharmed. That was what I really wanted. That was the desire of my heart. The way that I prayed was God don't let it rain. Because if it rains, it'll probably ruin the ping pong table. And God said, no, 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 no. I'm going to let it rain. You, it's not the rain. And I'm going to protect that ping pong table. And I learned that day that God sometimes says yes And he does it in ways 
that we don't expect. I think doctors and medicines fall into this category. That sometimes we pray for God to heal a sickness. And God has the ability to just go, zap, you're healed. But he often chooses to let his healing come to us through medicine and through doctors. It's still God who's doing the healing. It's just the way that he's choosing to work. God can say yes. God can say no. God can say yes, but in a different way than you expected. God, number four, sometimes says not yet. Or grow. Yes, no, yes in a different way, grow. Sometimes we ask God to do something in our lives or for someone that we care about, and God says, not yet. This storm needs to reveal my presence and my power in their life. Uh, I need them to grow and learn something through this. As parents... We know that it's part of our job to raise our kids so that they can handle life's problems on their own when they're adults. As much as I love my kids, I don't want them running to me for every problem that they have when they're 55. Like somewhere between now and then, I want them to learn how to handle life's struggles on their own. But somewhere along the line, Parents started thinking that we need to protect our kids from every struggle that they ever have. We came up with names for these kinds of things. There's helicopter parents. Helicopter parents are the ones who are always hanging around, making sure their kids don't get into any trouble. There's lawnmower parents. Lawnmower parents are the ones who, when their kids get into trouble, they just mow right through all the structures and go straight to the top. Spend about six years working on a college campus, and there were a lot of helicopter and lawnmower parents. They're the ones who, if the kid failed a paper... <laughs> Instead of the kid coming to my office, their mom called. Like, ma'am, you do know that your son's in college, don't you? Like, I'd be happy to talk to him about this problem. The lawnmower parents are the ones, these were the worst, who they failed the paper and the mom called the president of the university. <laughs> you think that it happened more than you... I think the president had a direct line for angry moms. And, and what we realized is those parents had reached a point where stopping every problem their kid was going through was keeping their kids from developing the skills they needed to be able to deal with the problems themselves. So you don't want to throw your kid to the wolves, <laughs> but you also don't want to keep them from ever experiencing harm or struggle because those struggles help them to grow. God sometimes allows the struggles in our life because those struggles help us to grow. Paul talked about that in 2 Corinthians 12. 
He said, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. We have no idea what that was. He doesn't give us any more detail except that it tormented him so much that he thought it must have come from Satan. And you've had those moments. <laughs> it's possible one of the options uh, is that it was uh, that Paul had deteriorating eyesight. It's another one of his letters where Paul says, I write this greeting to you in my own hand. Look at how big my handwriting is. <laughs> Uh, because he maybe was having trouble seeing, and so he had to write real big. Um, but we don't know. All we know is that this really bothered him. It tormented him, and so he prayed, God, take this away from me. And then he waited a while, and it was still there, and he, so he prayed again, God, take this away from me. And he waited a while, it was still there, so he prayed again, God, take this away from me. And then he heard God say, I'm not going to take this away. Instead, I'm going to teach you that my grace is sufficient for you. God used this to grow him. Rick Warren says, in the purpose-driven life, God never wastes a hurt. God doesn't send every hurt that happens in your life. Some of them come around because people have disobeyed God, because people have turned away from God, because people have sinned against God and you, and that can cause hurt. Sometimes hurt just come because that's part of life. God doesn't send every hurt that happens in your life, but when a hurt shows up, God says, how can I use this for good? And sometimes we pray, God, take this away, and God says, I'm going to grow you instead. And that is for your good. God says yes, God says no, God says yes in a way you didn't expect. God says not yet, I'm going to grow you first. I want you to know every one of these, God's answer is the one that is best for your good. And a fifth way, a fifth way that God answers prayer is what I'm going to call the ultimate yes. The final yes. Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4, describes for us what it's going to be like when we all get to heaven. It says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Since when we, when we get to heaven, we're going to be with God and God himself will wipe the tears from our eyes. There are some things that we long for in this life. And God says, when, when you get in my presence... <laughs> I'm going to take that away. 
It's the final yes. That there's a day coming that everything that we have truly longed for, whole relationships, physical and spiritual and emotional healing, an understanding of our purpose, to know God completely and deeply, that God's going to take all of the stuff that causes pain and hurt and despair and destruction, and he's going to wipe that all away. And we will experience the ultimate yes, where all the longings of our heart are perfectly fulfilled. And if that day doesn't happen on this earth, there will be a day where God's final yes will resound over your life. On the other side of eternity, God will say yes to all of the longings of your heart. So in the meantime, we should pray the prayer that never fails. We know that sometimes God says yes, and sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says yes, but in a way that we didn't expect, and sometimes God says not yet, you need to grow first, and sometimes God says when you get to heaven, those are all for our good. And so we should pray the prayer that never fails. A number of years ago, Allison and I started reading a series of novels. They were uh, the Mitford series by Jan Karen. It's a, a whole set of novels. There's like um, 250,000 of them. Um, okay, it, maybe there's 25. There were three, and then there were 10, and then they just like... And they're about a, a small-town Anglican priest. And all the weird and wacky stuff that happened as he tried to care for his flock. And they'd go through those books, and uh, Father Tim would be caring for people in his town or in his congregation, and something difficult would happen, and he would say to them, well, I guess we've got to pray the prayer that never fails. Like, oh, okay. And we'd go on, you know, and then the next novel, Tim would say to somebody, Father Tim, oh, we got to pray the prayer that never fails. And pretty soon I'm going, what's the prayer that never fails? And finally, about 72 novels in, Father Tim says, we've got to pray the prayer that never fails. <clears throat> Father Tim, what's that? The prayer that never fails. God, your will be done. Amen. Man, there's a lot of things that I want or that I think I want. But the prayer that never fails is, God, your will be done. And so I pray. I pray for God's healing and strength. I pray for wisdom. I pray for protection. I pray for my kids. I pray for you. And I know that God's going to answer those prayers in one of five ways, but I know the prayer that never fails is, God, your will be done. Because, Lord, your ways are higher than my ways. Lord, your understanding is more than my understanding. And, Lord, what I really want, what I really want is what is good for these people and for your kingdom. Lord, I want what will bring you the most glory. And I want what will be best for those I care about, not just in this moment, 
but over their life and for their eternity. And so, Lord, would your will be done. That is the way we pray. And so let's pray that now. Lord, we can be so much like these disciples who when we find ourselves in the midst of the storm, when we are struggling and overwhelmed, we can wonder where you are at, if you even care, if maybe you're asleep in our problem. Lord, I pray today that you would remind us that there are lots of ways that you answer prayer. But you always answer, and your answer is always for our best good, for the best good of those that we are praying about. And so, Lord, this morning, we just simply pray this, your will be done. In faith, Lord, we understand that you know more than we do. In faith, Lord, we say you have a better perspective than we do. In faith, Lord, we say we trust your judgment above our own. And so, Lord, while we will continue to pray, we will continue to ask you to be at work. Lord, what we really pray is your will be done. Because we know that's the prayer that never fails. And that's the prayer that will bring the most good. So, Lord, in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our community, our nation, in this world, this morning we pray, your will be done. And this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ.